Hey y'all, what's up? Today is November 23rd, 2021. I am your hostess, Nadira, and this is the official first episode of Clutch Sports. So very happy for you guys to be here, be on this journey with me. Let's just dive right into it. Why not, right? Let's just get to it. Topping off every show, as I said before, if you listen to to the show intro and listen to the setup and how this will work. I like to dive into first segment, always called We See You, and that is where we highlight an athlete. And so this week, we need to really dive into talking about JT, y'all. Yes, Jonathan Taylor. Now, we need to have a conversation about Jonathan. I mean, really, we need to start talking about him. MVP conversation. Now, I know, I know. Here's the thing. I don't like it either, but I literally, literally think that this young man needs to be in the MVP conversation. Now, I'm not a fan of running backs, you know, in that type of conversation. You know, if you know me and you know my philosophy is running backs don't matter. I need to have a t-shirt. Side note, if anybody makes t-shirts, please make me a t-shirt. Running backs don't matter. I swear by it. But let's get into JT. Like Derrick Henry, you know, JT is a big part of the Colts' offense success. You know, a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago, he toted the rock 32 times for 185 yards. Listen, score five, guys, five touchdowns against what was supposed to be the best run defense in the league. I mean, he put on a show. What can you say? He put on a show and that put him, in my opinion, in the conversation for MVP. Now, his traditional rushing statistics are outrageous, but he's been efficient too. Here's why. Now, if you know anything about DVOA, we'll get into that later, but he ranked second overall and is first First in yards above replacement before the week 11 NFL update. That's major. He's not just an NFL player. He's probably the offensive player of the year. Please send me messages. Send me comments. Message me so we can argue about it. Yes, I believe he is probably the offensive player of the year. Now, there's no doubt that the Colts' offensive line deserves their flowers. Taylor ranks six in yards before contact per rush. However, he also ranks fourth in yards after contact. Come on, guys. Listen, he needs to be in the conversation. Furthermore, I believe Taylor leads the league in yards from scrimmage, and his 15 touchdowns are only three fewer than his quarterback. And Taylor accounts for two of Wentz's passing touchdowns. Two. That's the other value the star running back brings. His passes per protection is a plus. I mean, his pass protection is superior in some instances, and he's exhibited his receiving ability in 2021. Already, quarterbacks are inherently more valuable, so Taylor won't win the MVP, but he deserves to be in the conversation, and it should be a two-horse race between who? Him and Cooper Cup. Yes, I believe that JT has 
has worked his way into the conversation on many platforms or it could be many different podcasts. It could be many different TV shows, ESPN, CBS Sports, whatever. If you're sitting at the table with your friends and you guys are just talking good sports banter, put this man in the conversation. Yes, again, I am not a fan of running backs. Okay, not. But this man has showed up. He showed out and he needs to be in the conversation. Tap in. Let me know what you think about this. Let me know your thoughts. Let's start a conversation and argue if you want to. We can debate it. We can bring this back to the next podcast. We can do what you like. But that is my opinion. That is my player of the week. It goes to JT, Mr. Jonathan Taylor. All right. Let's go into our next segment is news and updates. Let's see what's going on in the world here in sports. So this week we've had quite a few things happening in sports. Let's talk about them. So right now, let's start off with obviously the biggest, biggest, biggest news, Ron and Stewart. What happened? Both at the free throw line, going up to catch a ball for a rebound, and Braun catches Stewart with an elbow in the eye, blood everywhere. Stewart then gets up. What happens? All hell breaks loose on the court. So after the altercation, the NBA said, oh no, hold on guys, both of you are suspended. Yes, both players, LeBron and Stewart, both got hit with heavy fines. Now, let's talk about those fines. Obviously, Stewart was not going to get hit with as steep as a fine as LeBron, 45000 But when you're making up her in the millions, I guess 45000 is pretty much like $45 to someone like myself. LeBron, however, he got hit with $284,000 fine for elbowing Stewart in the eye disorderly conduct. Both of these gentlemen are suspended for the next game. I personally think it got a little bit heated. It went a little bit too overboard. I'm not necessarily sure that both players should have been ejected from the game, but I do believe that emotions ran high. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess if I was Stewart, I could look at it as, you know, you intentionally tried to mess me up. God, like, what's going on here? But at the same time, it didn't warrant all of what happened on the court. Took away from the momentum of the game it messed up some people's psyche of the game and threw a lot of things off and I just think that in that situation both players could have handled themselves quite a bit differently so looking forward to seeing both of these guys back on the court you know just getting their way through this NBA season let's look at Clay Thompson he is out practicing right now coming off of an ACL and Achilles injury so should be interesting to see what half of the Splash Brothers could do here and how well he's going to turn around from that injury what does his rehabilitation look like what does his training look like you know much is he going to be able to get up like he usually does off of that foot while it's healing. So interesting to see him back. Looking forward to seeing what he can do as far as rehab and recovery. You know, he's a key factor in those Warriors. So I'm pretty sure that this is important for them and the organization. Bouncing over to MLB, we have a five-time all-star reliever. Doug Jones has passed away at the age of 64. If you know anything about Doug Jones, very, very, very prominent figure in Major League Baseball. So, you know, condolences to his family and, you know, the fans, I'm pretty sure, kind of mourning his death. Japanese outfielder Sia Suzuki is now available 
for MLB teams. This is huge, huge news. He is finally eligible to be picked up by American Major League Basketball. So this is going to be huge for him, for his hometown. His game is clean. Guys, I've seen the young man play. His game is clean. Whoever picks him up will be a good pick for their team. Absolutely, 100%. Here's a question. And we can bring this back. Leave me some messages if you have some answers for this. Again, you know, podcast is just getting started. So I'm going to leave some questions out here for you guys to interact with until we start getting, you know, call-ins and things of that nature. But I have a question here about the Major League Hall of Fame. And that is, does Barry Bonds and A-Rod get in? This is what I want to know. I want to know, do they get in with the company of so many others that are in running and for the Hall of Fame? But are we overlooking Barry Bonds and A-Rod? Do they get in? Let's weigh in on that. Let's think about it and tap in with me. Let's save that question probably for another episode. Let's save it for next week's episode. How's that? Send me messages. Give me your opinion on that. Do Barry Bonds and A-Rod get into the 2022? to MLB Hall of Fame. Let me know what you think. Let's go ahead and bounce on over to NCAA. Now, some interesting things are happening now. Right now, there's an organization that's working with mouth guard sensors to provide research on players' safety. And I find that interesting that there is a device that can pull that data as far as how hard of intensity are the hits, what happens to the mouth, what happens to the jaw, things of that nature, teeth and everything else that goes along with, you know, being hit, tackled, what have you, in and on the field. I think that this is a good strategy and and good research that will help us understand in the sports world like myself to understand what's happening with all of these assistive devices to protect our players. So I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what they come up with for that one. Chris McKellen commits to Florida despite Mullins firing. So that's very interesting. More to come on that. I feel like there may be some Twitter fingers happening with this one. So I'm going to kind of follow that story and see what happens. But McClellan, McClellan, excuse me, commits to Florida regardless of Mullins firing. Very, very interesting. And to lead off this next topic of discussion, because if you guys know me, I am an Ohio girl. I am a Cleveland girl. Yes. And I am an Ohio State fan, which is leading me into this week's big game. Yes, Buckeyes in Michigan, it goes down. We are going to see who's going to come out on top. So I want you to guys leave me comments on this one. Who wins the battle in the big house? Who's going to win it? Is it going to be the Buckeyes or is it going to be Michigan? You guys let me know. You know what I think. Scarlet and gray, that is where I'm leading. No question. It's not up for debate. However, I want to know what you guys think. Tap in with me. Let's have a discussion. Let's argue. Listen, Ohio State will go in and handle their business, leave all of it on the field, and go home. No question. 
We want all the smoke. That is just my opinion. And that is just how I feel as an Ohio State fan. However, tap in with me. Leave comments. Let me know how you feel about that game because it is going to be huge amongst many games that are going to happen this weekend in college football. So in other news, we have some Twitter fingers happening. And this is a direct conversation with kind of a rebuttal, but not so much between Yannick Ngagwe and him being a true human who does just not hold his tongue. He says exactly what he means. He means what he says, whether it be face to face or whether it be via Twitter. I just think that the man has an argument. He does has an argument. He has a he has a very big argument. I mean, Ngagwe was not treated well by the organization nine months ago when he tried to negotiate a long term contract. So he ultimately gave the Jaguars four seasons, right? Playing 66 of a possible 67 games at a high level and steeply at a steeply discounted rate. So, you know, despite no longer being under contract, he is now tasked with negotiating better trade terms on his former team's behalf. Well, I mean, if he were truly a free agent, then Ngakwe's market would be the majority of the league. I mean, it's now limited to teams willing to give up draft capital to get him at this point. I mean, in layman's terms, they're going to blow the bag just to get him. And the conundrum for his next team is that they have to pay in draft capital and a new contract. So the more team has to give up and draft capital to get him, the more likely they are to subtract from their contract. So even though they'll blow the bag to get him, they're going to take away things in the contract that might be beneficial in the long run. I mean, I don't think that anybody wants to take away their money on the back end. So they may, each team would need to think about this very strategically. I mean, there's already a system in place to compensate the Jaguars with draft capital if Ngakwe decides to sign elsewhere. I mean, they could have been awarded a compensatory pick, you know, thanks to yet another level design to limit players' freedom of movement and earning power. I mean, that's huge, in my opinion. I mean, at that point, it would be less than a third rounder due to their signing of Joe Schobert and others. So you can argue that this is all just a Yannick Ngakwe problem, but Ngakwe will eventually have to settle for a below market deal. If you're going to blow your bag on the front end, I have to be okay with taking less money on the back end, which means the next guy will have to settle for a below market deal. And that guy after that, and that guy after that, and that guy after that, and it keeps going. So I'm assuming most of the football watching world has already fallen back off of the old greedy millionaire football player complains while the NFL team tries to make ends meet like the scrappy small business it is. So sure, Ngakwe really isn't making his situation any better by having Twitter fingers. Put your phone down. Which brings us to the moral of the story. No one should ever tweet. Put your phone down, sir. Because in the end of the day, you are going to get the short end of the stick. Sit down and be quiet. That is just my opinion to close out our segment of news and updates. And my segment of I said what I said, that was my opinion. And so therefore, we are going to move into our fourth segment that I like. 
and that is our countdowns. What's going on? Who's doing what? What is our current rankings going on in the NFL, NBA? Today, I'm going to focus on the NFL because I feel like there's some interesting things happening in these conferences right now. So let's just talk about a few. So right now in the AFC East, obviously, we got the Patriots seven and four they're five and oh on the road and two and four at home and at the top of the afc north we got the ravens seven and three okay on the road they're three and two and at home they're four and one in the afc north i told you guys i am a cleveland girl yes yes my browns are dead last six and five they are two and three on the road and four and two at home i am going to save all of my opinions for my final thought in the last segment called say what you mean because I have a lot to say about my home team, the Cleveland Browns, and what is happening with my hometown organization. Let's dip off into the South and go to the AFC South. We got the big, big Tennessee Titans leading the pack eight and three. They are four and one on the road and four and two at home. The Colts are right behind them, six and five, and they are three and two and three and three at home. Let's come out west. Let's come out to the west coast of the AFC West. We have the Big Chiefs are seven and four right now. Three and two on the road and four and two at home. And you have the Chargers that are right behind them. And they are three and one and three and three. Broncos are interesting for me. Five and five. Three and two on the road and two and three at home. I did not expect them to drop below or tie with the Raiders. So very interesting things happening in those two ball clubs right there. Let's go to the NFC. At the top of the NFC, we got the Cowboys, seven and three, and they are three and two on the road, four and one at home. You have in the a- NFC North, big, big Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers doing big things over there with the cheese heads, four and three on the road, no losses at home, none at home. They are taking care of business right now. You have the Detroit Lions are dead last. Let's just move on to the NFC South. Let's go south here to the Bucks. Mr. Tom Brady, he has the Bucks marching seven and three right now, two and three on the road, undefeated at home. You have the Saints and the Carolina Panthers running neck and neck here. You got the Saints five and five. Panthers are five and six. Panthers are three, two on the road and two, four at home. If we come all the way out here to the desert, we have in the NFC West, the Dirty Birds, them Cardinals. Yes, they are nine and two, six and oh on the road, undefeated and three and two at home. Let me tell you guys that I have never seen football fans as dedicated as I have the Arizona Cardinal fans. When I tell you that these fans in Phoenix mean business and they want all the smoke. They want it all. Yes. Cheers to the Arizona Cardinals fans. You guys, one of a kind. I promise you, one of a kind. And so that wraps up our countdowns. Obviously, we're going to look to see who starts to win and goes into the playoffs. We'll keep up with those updates. Next week, I'll bring the rankings for NBA so far where we are, and then we'll jump off into MLB and NCAA. We will tap into soccer. 
keep that in the back of your mind, guys. We are going to be tapping into what is going on in the soccer world. What are we seeing? Things that we are experiencing in the soccer world right now. Going into our fifth segment is interesting because this is where I propose a question for debate. And this segment is called All the Smoke. Yes, all the smoke means just bring it all to the table. Let's argue about it. Let's have a friendly debate. We can agree to disagree, but this is one of my favorite segments. And so this segment will be set up in the manner of a question. And it is going to be on whatever issue that either the listeners bring to us or we put out there for the listeners. When I have a guest on the podcast, we will definitely go over that question and have a good good debate about it we are going to talk shit we are going to argue we are going to get to the bottom of raw and real emotions in the all the smoke segment and so one of the questions that i wanted to bring up in this segment for us to discuss and again please feel free to leave me comments um and that is think of the psychology of competing in the NBA for many years, many, many years, yet never gaining any ring. Think about that for a minute. Think of the psychology of competing in the NBA for many years, yet never gaining a ring. So my question is, and this is a good topic for debate, does it discourage players? Do you think that it brings down a player and their game when they don't win a ring? I mean, famous players keep on earning goals while their less prominent teammates are lagging. So what could be done for their motivation? And this is interesting to me because some people will debate that not winning a ring has no effect on the outcome of the player's ability to come out and continue to play the sport as they once did when they first started. So being discouraged doesn't affect their game. However, the psychology of an athlete, in my opinion, will directly affect their game, especially if their teammates are the reason why they are lagging. I'm going to use my home team as a prime example, the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron James didn't have a sufficient team around him. And every attempt that he had to try and go to the powers that be and build up the team so that he could win a chip never worked. So let's go through his history. Where did he leave? He went to Miami, banged out a few rings there. He came back home to Cleveland and he banged out a chip with the team that he needed to do it. After that, trades happened, emotions were raw, People's feelings were real. We didn't win another chip. LeBron left where he is now in LA. He's won another chip. That is 100% why this question is one of my prominent questions this week for the All Smoke debate. Let's talk about it. Bring up anything that you have that you may want to discuss relatable to this. Let's talk about it. Let's debate it. Let's get down to the bottom of it. Will the psychology of a player not winning a chip affect their game? I think it does. Now we're going to go into our last segment. 
And this is Say What You Mean. And this is my final thought. Obviously, it is just myself right now. And I hope to have guests on here soon so that we can have some, you know, colorful banter back and forth. And we all can give our final thoughts and opinions on the topic of discussion that, you know, just be important to us right now, the sports world. Me, I am a Cleveland Browns fan, okay? And I bleed orange and brown. That is just the colors that run through my veins. If you were raised in Cleveland, you have no choice but to be a Cleveland fan. You know, my feelings on Baker Mayfield, you know, fans are booing him multiple times in the second half of Sunday's victory over the Detroit Lions. And let me pause. You had better won against an 0-18. No excuse whatsoever to not win against an 0-18. And at best, you barely pulled it off. At best. But those are probably the same fans that won't be quiet while we're on offense and trying to operate. Cleveland quarterback said Monday he didn't really care, quote-unquote, about the booing. But Mayfield also declined to speak to reporters after the game, which he posted a QBR of 8.6 on a 0 to 100 scale, the third worst quarterback performance of his career. Mayfield completed 15 of 29 passes for just 176 yards. He did toss a touchdown to Chubbs, but also threw two interceptions, including one in the fourth quarter, which prompted a cascade of booing inside First Energy Field, which led to what? A Detroit Lions field goal. Mayfield's first interception came on Cleveland's second possession when he overthrew Landry, who seemed to be wide open, breaking down the middle of the field. Mayfield had never skipped a post-game interview before. And in his words, I never dodged any questions or hid away from the, and he stopped, just frustrated, removed the emotions and all that from it, just decided that it would be best to wait, he said. When asked about it Monday, not one part of that's about not being accountable. I'd be the first to tell you I played like shit. I don't owe that to you guys. I owe that to my teammates. If you have a Baker Mayfield's jersey, I suggest that you put a dollar amount to it, put it on offer up, see what you can get for it, because it is not going to be worth a towel that you would wipe mud off of the bottom of your shoe. After taking the knee to end the game, Mayfield also immediately walked to the locker room instead of shaking hands with the Lions or celebrating the victory with his teammates on the field. And he was asked about that as well. My guys know that all I care about is winning, but I'm going to be frustrated if I do stuff to make it harder on us. And I did yesterday. And that's just flat out where it is. That's what he said. But I'm never going to take the winning for granted. That's something that's very hard to do in this league. And it has been a very common thing around here for a long time. So I'm frustrated with how I played. That's how I've always been. My teammates know how I'm going to come back and attack this week. Mayfield, I don't believe you. You need more people, in the words of Jay-Z. No one believes you, okay? Mayfield, who now ranks 27 in the QBR in the league. 
27th ranked quarterback in the league has been battling various injuries throughout the season, including a torn labrum and his non-throwing shoulder since week two. He's also been dealing with the knee and foot soreness this month. Sunday, Mayfield was limping around for much of the second half, though he never came off the game. He doesn't feel 100%, said Coach Stavosky that he never considered taking Mayfield out the game against the Lions. He's definitely battling. Well, sir, you are one of the reasons why Beckham is now a Ram. Because you have not held this young man accountable to his piss poor performance. Excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse in every single interview. It's never Mayfield. Never threw the ball at Beckham. Why? Wide open. He runs it. Why? For all of their struggles, the six and five Browns can jump into the AFC North race with back-to-back games coming up against the division-leading Baltimore Ravens. And despite the ongoing injuries, Mayfield is still planning to play in Sunday's night game. Still planning. The big picture wise, everybody wants to act like the world's falling. Mayfield said, no, we haven't played to our potential. We haven't played to our potential is what he said. And we know that more than anybody. So we know what's at stake and we know what we need to do. Now he's speaking French. We, 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 we. But when it's time for you to show up, Mayfield, you're somewhere on the sidelines, sucking on a lollipop, looking in the clouds, waiting for helicopters and unicorns. You're not there and you can't keep using the excuse. My team knows I'm better than that. Well, my team knows I'm going to show up and go to battle. My team knows I'm going to do this. No, the Browns fans, the city, your team does not believe you, but your coach does. Your coach believes you 100%. They're so comfortable with Beckham going to the West Coast. Guys, I'm disgusted. Not to be a Browns fan, but I'm disgusted that this is the QB for our team. Even more disgusting that the front office still thinks that he is the best fit for our starting quarterback. When you can barely pull off a 13 to 10 win over an 0 and 8 team, that says a lot. It is not we. This is not a French speaking country. This is not a French football league. This is American football. And you're supposed to take 100% accountability for what you are doing. I me. I messed up. I am the problem. And so we shall see what happens on Sunday when they are meeting with the original Cleveland Browns team, the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, the original. Art Modell took our Cleveland Browns and for years we didn't have a football team. The team that is the original Browns is the Baltimore Ravens. I'm saying all that to say it is very hard to be a Cleveland Browns fan. Yes, they are called the Cardiac Kids because you will end up having a heart attack trying to watch them win games. However, you don't give up on your home team and you want to see them get the chip. 
I have to believe somewhere in my lifetime I will see them win the chip. But as of right now, under the direction of the 27th ranked QB in the league, it is not going to happen. That is it for this episode of Clutch Sports. Guys, please let me know what you thought about this episode. Again, this is the very first episode. I am excited about this. If I need to change some things up, let me know. I am up for all types of feedback. Please stay tuned for more, more, more as we go along. Contest, call-ins, guests. We are going to just turn up. I am your hostess, Nadira, and I will see you guys next week. Peace.